You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome to episode 105 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good brother, good friend, and co-host. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, still hanging out here in future Gotham. Uh, We continue our month here with Batman Beyond, and we have an episode today with some connections, some retroactive Easter eggs that happen to it, which is cool, as we get to discuss today. Welcome to the DCAU Review. Yes, and as you mentioned, we're still smack dab in the middle of our month of Batman Beyond reviews, and we have the episode Mind Games to talk about this week. That is right. Uh, So we'll get our thoughts and a general uh, breakdown of our four categories in just a moment here. But uh, Liam, as we talked about last week, uh, we thought there had been this shift in kind of the tone and where things were going in Batman Beyond. Uh, For me, this episode sort of takes a step back towards that maybe season one tone. There's not as much stuff happening at Hamilton Hill High, uh, not as much teen drama happening here. And uh, for me, it was a little bit of a welcome, uh, welcomed uh, return. Yeah, this one feels like a little bit more of a happy medium, I think, between that season one um, and and these these more teen or, or younger, younger uh, viewer-friendly episodes that we've seen in season two. Um, because you still do have Terry at school, you still have him, you know, you know, bouncing dialogue and exposition off of Max. But then you also get to see Bruce Wayne get a lot more involved than he has been in some of the other episodes we reviewed in season two so far. I mean, you get to see him be a bit of a detective and uh, him and Terry kind of working this this mystery together. So, yeah, this episode, I think, felt a bit more like a happy medium uh, between the two styles that we've experienced with this show so far. Yeah, I, I would I wouldn't disagree with that. That's for sure. Uh, it was nice to see the return of a little bit more Bruce being involved. Uh, but as you said, there's uh, some dialogue with Terry preparing for history lessons and all of that. We'll get into that in just a moment. But before we do, Liam, I'm sure you have our IMDb synopsis ready to go for Mind Games, which originally aired December 4th, 1999, putting us just just a little over 20 years old. Yes, and this is the IMDb synopsis for Mind Games, which is written by Alan Burnett and directed by Butch Lukic with music by Christopher Carter. And that synopsis reads as such. A young girl with telepathic powers calls to Batman for help. And that's it. (laughs) Well, that's one of those that certainly leaves a little more to be desired when it comes to descriptions. Um, so as we jump into plot, let us talk about this. So uh, opening scene, there's a, you know, as as Terry is preparing for this this test, uh, there's a car that gets into a little bit of a fender bender, which I didn't know was possible in like <laughs> sky cars, uh, but has some engine trouble or something. And uh, Terry saves it from from crashing Lightning strikes it. Right. Oh, you're right. There's That's like a bad storm at the start of the episode. 
what are the chances? Uh, that's that's what they don't talk about with the disadvantages of flying cars. Everybody wants flying cars, but nobody wants to talk about what happens when a, when lightning strikes them. <laughs> you have those rubber tires to uh, you know, oh, there, the electricity. There you go. Science. Um, all right. So uh, as as uh, as he saves these people from crashing, they get out of the car to thank him, and he's met by uh, Wednesday Adams or. Uh, <laughs> Tuesday Adams, Thursday Adams, well, one of the Adams kids, or at least visually Matilda striking me. Adams. Matilda, Matilda Adams, yes. Um, so he's met joke, by, by the way, once we get to voice acting. <laughs> uh, and then later on, this same girl starts appearing to him uh, sort of through telekinesis. And we learn uh, that this little girl is being held against her will. And uh, later on, I guess in the story, we find out that there's been a sort of a pseudo X-Men sort of homage as these people are going around recruiting these young children with powers. And uh, except these people are clearly using it for evil, uh, something part of the the quote unquote brain trust. And then it's up to Batman to try and rescue this little girl from these evil evil people that are stealing her and, and action ensues. So let's jump into the plot here. What did you like? What did you not like about this episode? Yeah. So I think they introduce some interesting concepts in this brain trust thing. Again, I like that there's a bit of mystery to it. It's, it's not immediately spelled out exactly what's going on or what, you know, what, what's, what's really at play here. And they uh, sort of, as the episode goes on, as we mentioned, Terry and Bruce sort of stumble upon this mystery of this sort of weird secret society of, of, uh, as you said, called the brain trusts. And it's, I guess it's unclear if they all have psychic powers or if it's just like this division of them do, (laughs) but, uh, they all have these strange abilities. So yes, there's certainly an, an X-Men, esque quality to it but of course unlike unlike the x-men and there's some of that too as as the mystery deepens and then terry's able to figure out who this girl is after bruce shows him a bunch of different uh, missing children photos um and he goes and speaks to her parents basically this this brain trust posed as a school a sort of xavier school for gifted youngsters and convince the parents to sign her up and and give her to this school and then days later they sort of realize they've been had and that the school was was a fake but of course by then it's too late so they they introduce like a very interwoven intricate mystery but to their credit it wasn't so complicated that i felt say ripped off by them resolving it within 22 minutes if that makes sense yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't feel like this needed to be longer than it was. I felt like uh, it certainly built up tension to the very end with Terry basically having to rush uh, to save her from being shipped off on this. This uh, She's at the at the docks and they're about to leave in a boat um, and Terry has to rush to to save her. The only thing that I, I felt like it did a great job of building up to the final climax. Um, I think that the, the mid scene battle between the, uh, the Steven who ended up being Steven Mandragora's son, uh, yes. and also known as the albino in this episode, uh, 
and we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, the the battle between the albino and Terry was was really interesting. I think there we'll talk about that in visuals also. There's some great visual gags, mm-hmm. but I, I think that the it's right right before that scene, Bruce has a conversation with Terry about mind over matter, and they don't even use that during the fight. And Bruce isn't isn't really talking or radioing or encouraging Terry or reminding Terry of that conversation they had. But you see, you, there's a point in that battle that happens where you can see there's like this shift where Terry realizes that he can't see, he's not going to overpower. Uh, he's going to have to rely on, on sort of his general instincts in order to defeat this guy. And he does, um, which I thought was, which was really subtle. They didn't beat you over the head with it. Uh, and, and I thought was a, was a, was a cool, cool, cool way of resolving that fight. Um, I felt a little bit gypped out at the end. I felt like that the final battle between, uh, Terry and Bombshell, who's the, who's the female and impervious man, I believe is his, is his name. Uh, the battle between them was sort of underwhelming. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because as we mentioned, it seems like all of these these villains that we're dealing with, as well as Tamara, the little girl that's reaching out to Terry, they all have like different flavors of the psychic power. Um, so obviously, like Tamara has can can reach out and speak to people with her mind, and we find out near the end of the episode she can also kind of create these grand illusions and and. Uh, the the albino seems to have similar abilities as well as telekinesis. Uh, the the indestructible man, the impervious man, seems to just have trained his mind to feel no pain. Is is how Bruce Wayne explains it. And then there's bombshell who right. shoots lasers out of her hands. And that's kind of <laughs> the one that's like. And if if they're telekinetic blasts, I guess that's fine. But it's not clear to me then, but like. Terry disables her by putting like a life preserver around her arms so that she can't like raise her arms. Um, which, but yeah. it, again, it would seem like if the power comes from her mind, she shouldn't like have to shoot it out of her hands. But maybe this right. is me just trying to add too much logic to a, a, you know, a, a children's cartoon. But that was the only thing I thought. Yeah. I thought the way her powers are visualized Right, that, and then they, uh, Tamara uses her powers to blind the impervious man, and he just kind of falls over. Um, yeah, I would agree that it's not the most uh, climactic battle scene we've seen, and again, we'll certainly get into more of the specifics of it and visuals. But yeah, and I, I do like, like I said, that it does have kind of a, a sweet little ending too, as as Max and Terry are kind of talking about what happened, and then you see the the projection of the girl who's been so scared and ominous the whole episode now is, you know, happy and, and waving to Terry. And yeah, I thought, I thought that was a, a, a nice ending to it. Like I said, I, I don't think it's necessarily perfect, but I do think they did a pretty good job of introducing a interesting, fun mystery and wrapping it up without feeling like anything was too, too rushed. I kind of wish that the scene with the albino had ultimately been the climax. Um, I think that the battle between, because of how great that, that fight and that battle was and recognizing Terry having to make this sort of mental adjustment to use his instincts in order to defeat, defeat 
the albino, I thought that that was, that was really, really strong. And then I, you know, the disappointment of Terry sort of needing help from the little girl, which is fine, but ultimately, and even Max points out at the end, she jokes with him that she was the one who really saved Terry's butt with that, (laughs) with that. So I, I could see that being sort of the help, um, in, if that had been sort of the the, the mid mid episode battle, but with the that being the climax, I don't know. I just felt I felt a little robbed because of that. Um, I think overall I liked the episode, but because that climax was a little weak for me, I ended up giving it a, a six out of ten. Yeah, I'm in that same ballpark. I went seven out of ten. Um, don't don't really disagree with uh, a lot of what you're saying, but uh, yeah, like I said, I think. For what it was, I, I thought it was enjoyable enough and uh, a, a good a good time. And obviously, as, as you mentioned, this is not the last time we see some of these characters, uh, both the albino and uh, and bombshell. Th- yeah, and and bombshell, bombshell go go on to appear in a Zeta Project episode, and then of course we get to see a young, as you mentioned, a young. Uh, uh, Edgar Mandragora show up in the uh, excellent JLU episode, which we have not yet gotten to review, uh, entitled Double Date. So My favorite yeah, Justice League Unlimited episode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that's that's certainly one we're looking forward to covering down the line. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, kind of some cool little retroactive Easter eggs. And it's it's nice that this these characters sort of reappeared in this, this brain trust. Because it's always kind of awkward when you introduce a big threat like this, like this big secret society of psychics, and then they show up once, and then you never hear from them again. So it's nice that they kind of lived on in uh, in some of the other shows. For sure. Uh, any? Are you aware of them using them in any of the comics or any of the spinoffs at all? Not that I'm aware of. Um, okay. Possibly. I'm not as familiar with sort of the the like 2010 to 2012 uh, Batman Beyond comics run, which sort of melded the the DCAU continuity with uh, the regular DC comics continuity, kind of the same way that the current series does. But but uh, not I'm not familiar with them sort of being brought back in that sort of a big serious way, other than maybe gotcha. a passing reference or something. Gotcha. All right. All right. So those are our scores for the plot. Let's move on to visuals and animation, Liam. Um, There are a lot of interesting visuals. We alluded to the scene with the albino. Uh, There are a couple of Easter eggs in here that I enjoyed also. What would you like about visuals? Yeah, I think uh, we've already sort of touched on a couple of them in in plot. Um, I think the standout sequence certainly is the fight between... uh, Batman and Edgar or the uh, slash the albino. Um, it's just a really, really fantastic uh, visual scene. And it's funny because, and it, it totally works to me because it's, you know, all, all or most of it's all in Terry's head, but he gets, when he's sort of being uh, first attacked and it keeps flashing between him as Batman and him as Terry and his face kind of gets a little longer. It almost looks like something out of like freakazoid. Yeah, I mean that as and I mean that as a compliment for the record, um, <laughs> because again, this whole idea is that this is this is not reality. Even within this not real show, this is a step removed from that. Even so, 
they got to be very cartoony, I thought, in that in that sequence, in the best way. Uh, again, I, I mean that as a compliment, I thought. Again, uh, Butch Lukic directed this episode. I, I thought that scene, and I also thought the first fight that Batman has with the uh, with the indestructible man is actually really good. And there's some there's some really good uh, just uh, before somebody throws a punch, you'll see him kind of wind up a little bit, just a, you know a little bit of those extra flourishes that we talk about from time to time that that add a little bit more to these uh, to these fight scenes. And uh, there's a there's actually a great shot as as Batman's uh, on on the on the ground looking up at this penthouse and he, you know, his, his rocket boots uh, fire and he flies up. And as he flies into the camera, the, the bat symbol sort of acts as our our scene wipe. And as uh-huh. the, bat, you know, the bat symbol uh, goes across the stream, we, we sort of wipe to the next scene. I thought that was a really, really awesome and, and clever way to to do those those sort of scene uh, transitions. So yeah, there's sure. some really, really cool stuff, especially, I think, in, in those two fight scenes. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of the visual Easter eggs that I picked up on. Uh, you mentioned there's a scene where Bruce is at the back computer with Terry, and he's sort of flashing all these pictures of children, uh, missing children across the screen. Uh, it was very, very difficult not to pick up the picture that of a young Annie, uh, yes. who we recall, we've mentioned a couple times, we have not done done the episode, but of course she appears in Growing Pains. She also appeared in the uh, Batman The Adventures Continue comic that uh, came out this week. She's on the cover of that uh, that uh, that comic as well. So yes. uh, yeah, yeah, nice little nice little ode and Easter egg. And Terry mentions that all these these children are missing. So it would make make sense if it's an old database that Bruce would have Annie in there, I guess. Yeah. And uh, also, go I'm ahead. Sorry, you, you may have, you may have, this might have been where you were going, but there's also her hair is a different color, but we also see. Uh, what appears to be Carrie Kelly or the girl who looked very much like Carrie Kelly from the Legends of the Dark Knight episode as well. There you go. I actually did not pick that one up. So that was a good, uh, that was a good pickup there. Um, the other thing that I, by doing research on this episode, somebody mentioned that this is the second episode that Terry wears Dick Grayson's tuxedo, uh, <laughs> that he had, he had worn, worn Dick's tuxedo, I believe in the first Spellbinder episode. Uh, so very interesting nod there. Uh, also I would say visually, uh, impervious man or indestructible man or whatever his name was, uh, he looks very visually like a Jack classic Jack Kirby drawing of Thor, the God of thunder. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that cause I didn't think that necessarily, but I did think maybe because of the haircut that he looked a lot like Orion, in Superman yep. the Animated Series, when he removes his helmet in uh, Apocalypse Now, uh, he has he has so yeah a blonde Orion, which of course was you know pretty much directly ripped from the pages of those original Kirby New Gods books. Right. Um. And, and we we know obviously if you, if you know anything about uh, the the creators involved, especially Bruce Tim, um, uh, what a big Kirby uh, how how this sort of the shadow of Jack Kirby. Uh, laid over the uh, all of these DCAU cartoons. Yeah, I think that's probably not an accident, if I had to guess. <laughs> For sure. And uh, yeah, I, and I, we already mentioned the visual gag, of course, with the albino, not the visual gag, but the albino, of course, reappearing later on is Stephen Mandragora's son, Edgar. 
but yeah, so you you have some some interesting visuals that happen there, and uh, some visual Easter eggs. I agree with you. And by the way, if you're interested in checking out just that clip of the fight scene that we're talking about between Batman Beyond and the albino, check out our Instagram page at dcaureview.com. Liam had posted that clip earlier this week. Uh, it's a it's a really 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 interesting interesting fight scene. Well worth going out of your way. Uh, to check it out uh, again, I, I think going back to the 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 battle, I was sort of disappointed in. But there is an interesting visual gag where um, the t- giant Teletubby-esque uh, toy appears, and uh, and she makes makes her toy sort of this gigantic monster into a gigantic monster essentially, which I thought was an interesting gag. Yeah, it, uh, it reminds me a little bit. There's a in the final season of the Teen Titans cartoon, there's a, a character introduced that's a little girl who they think just has like psychic powers, but then it turns out she literally has an imaginary friend that's a giant teddy bear, and that's sort of what this reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, with all those things, with a with a really really solid. Uh, middle battle between Batman and Albi- the Albino, I gave the visuals a very strong 8 out of 10. And I gave it that exact same score. <laughs> there we go. Brothers, we think alike. All right, let's move on, Liam. Uh, let's talk about music here. Again, uh, I don't have as, as many musical notes for this episode, except... Uh, that uh, we hear the Batman Beyond theme used as sort of a transition between mm-hmm. a couple of the scenes. I pulled that out. There's some more traditional orchestral music that's used, uh, especially in the scene between Bombshell and the little girl. Uh, there's some, some tension-building music, and I thought that the music in the Batman versus the Albino scene uh, was really strong as well. Yeah, that and I, I think the music again in the, uh, in the scene with the fight with the impervious man is a good, uh, good sort of not super memorable, but it is a uh, you know good good you know fast tempo fight music that this show tends to be very good at. Um, and uh, yeah, I, like I said, I appreciate some of the, the softer music as well. Uh, some of the scenes where Terry's talking to Tamara. Or as we mentioned earlier in the episode, the the scene is, is Terry sort of getting the story from uh, from Tamara's parents about uh, how they were sort of swindled by the school or this not school. Uh, I hope they added some attention music. A really interesting little scene as as Terry sort of almost reached a dead end as he he's sort of walking around in his house and he goes by and he sees his, his little brother Maddie sleeping and he goes and like adjusts the covers for him. And I thought that was like a nice moment of him sort of having this realization that he's, he's, he's so desperate to save this girl, and it sort of reminds him of his own his own family that's uh, you know that he that he would do anything to protect, and he and he knows he has to go forward and uh, and, and find this girl. And I thought the music was it was understated, but I thought it did a nice job there. But yeah, I thought, I thought the music overall not not great, not all time great, but uh, I, I would give it a solid six out of ten. All right. Uh, I gave it just a tick higher. I went seven out of ten. I think um, the I really appreciated bringing in the standard Batman Beyond theme as a as a transition piece. I really liked mm-hmm. that. 
Um, and I think the battle scene, even the final battle, had some good good music in it. Um, even if I didn't let, didn't thought it was underwhelming the scene itself, I thought the music uh, upped the ante, so to speak. So yeah, pretty strong. So I gave it a seven out of ten. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day. That is going to be voice acting. Uh, let's talk about our voice cast today. Who do we need to know about? Yeah, we have a, an interesting voice cast, including a few uh, DCAU veterans, or in some cases, people that would go on to play other DCAU uh, mm-hmm. voices, and this was their first one. Uh, we mentioned the the invulnerable man, the impervious man, uh, whatever you'd like to call him. We know he doesn't have a name. <laughs> so uh, he is played by one Victor Rivers, who we actually just talked about recently in our 100th episode where we uh, covered Starcross. He played uh, Commander Frotalic, not Hawkman. There you go. Uh, uh, it's it's a little distracting because he has such a unique voice. Um, so it's hard not to hear him as uh, as that Frotalic character. But For sure. He does, he does a fine job for, for what's asked of him. It's just one of those things where we've mentioned that quite a few times before where when uh when a Mark Hamill or a Michael Rosenbaum or somebody pops up in a non in what in a in a role that is not the role that you know them best for, it can be a little jarring sometimes. Oh, for sure. We have uh Brian Tochi as the albino, uh, who was Shiv on Static Shock, as well as uh, uh I just noticed this time, I don't think we noticed this back when we reviewed the Static Shock episode with him. But he was also uh, the uh, the man who played Leonardo in the live action uh, '90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. So uh. I, I don't know how many actual lines the albino has in this episode, but uh, <laughs> thought that was that was worth mentioning just because of the DCAU tie-in and then because of that. Kate Jackson as a bombshell, um, who folks might know from the original. Uh, Charlie's Angels show if you're if you're a bit older. Um, she's also on a, a few other television shows over the years. Uh, I don't again I don't think she's great in this episode, but again she's just sort of there to be the more mustache twirling evil stepmother evil stepmother type villain, and she, yes. she's fine. And then yes, we have uh, Mara Wilson uh, playing. Tamara, the young girl with the psychic connection to Terry, uh, who folks might know if you if you watch uh, certain movies in the 90s, including uh, the 90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street, or in fact a movie entitled Matilda, which involved a girl uh, developing psychic powers. Uh, I'm guessing that casting was not necessarily an accident. And <laughs> they like to do that. Yeah, they've, uh, they've they, it's funny. I think we talked about that back on in the Return of the Joker movie. The the guy who played Tim Drake was in a was in some weird little movie when he was a kid called The Boy with the Green Hair, and then he went on to play the the Tim Drake Joker character. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Mara Wilson being cast in this role was not an accident, and I, I think she does a good job. Um, yeah, again, we've talked about this a lot uh, when you're when you're casting an actual child or, or or young adult as a kid. You it's it's certainly different than when you have somebody that's an adult doing the kid's voice. But I think it, it plays well in this episode because there is a certain uh, fear and innocence to her performance that maybe wouldn't be there with a more polished uh, traditional voice actor. Agree. 
Yeah, so for, uh, and then just rounding out, we have our, our regular cast. We have, of course, we have Will Friedle as Terry McGinnis slash Batman. We have Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne. And we, of course, have Cree Summer as Max. Um, like I said, I think everybody's, for the most part, is fine. I don't think anybody's great, great. But I do think the back and forth between Terry and, and the young girl, Tamara, is, is good. And I think I think Will Friedle has a... A strong, a strong showing here. So for all those reasons, I gave voice acting a seven out of ten. <laughs> uh, if you didn't know any better, you'd think we were related or had the same yeah. similar thought process here. Uh, I also gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, I would agree with you. I think that the certainly the part that stands out is Tamara and and Terry's interactions, uh, especially that initial one where he's trying to take the test and she sort of floats in and. You have to help me. I don't want to go. I refuse to go. Please help me. What? Please. I don't want to go. Please help me. I don't understand. Mr. McGinnis, what don't you understand? Uh, nothing. Sorry. Please. You have to help me. I don't want to go. I refuse to go. Please help me. Please. Please, you have to help me. I don't want to go. I refuse to go. Please help me. Please. Uh, it's kind of heckling him while he's trying to take this test. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, everybody else does a fine job. Uh, we would be remiss not to talk about, by the way, uh, the fact that Terry is still an awful boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, kudos to him for not dragging Dana to this stakeout and then ditching her. But at the same time, showing up at a very expensive restaurant when you can't even take your take and meet your own girlfriend at a chili place, as we saw <laughs> at last week's episode, but you can take your uh, supposedly platonic friend to this super expensive restaurant where you have to dress up wearing a tuxedo uh, so that uh, you can do a stakeout. Man, what a what a bad boyfriend. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> You know, there's even in episodes where Dana doesn't appear, we have we have an opportunity to uh, <laughs> make sure we get on our soapbox for at least a moment here, and and just remind you all that hashtag Dana deserves better. So much better. All right, so I guess we should total our scores up here, Liam, and uh, totaling up all of my scores, I come up with a 28 out of 40. What about you? And I adding up my score. Uh, it's funny, even when we don't have the same scores for every uh, every category, we, we somehow end up with such similar scores. But uh, yes, I in fact have the exact same score at a 28 out of 40 <laughs> this week. Uh, oh boy. From there, yeah, from there I think we can talk about rewatchability. This doesn't feel like a must-watch to me in any way, um, unless you're doing like – if you're doing a deep dive – I guess it's worth it because these characters do, you know, come back in other series or are referenced in other series. So it, I guess from that perspective, if you're doing like a real big, like all-encompassing DCAU deep dive or rewatch, 
But I wouldn't say as far as uh, just your average episode of Batman Beyond or if you're looking for the best of the best of Batman Beyond. I wouldn't say this is a must-watch. Yeah, I, I would concur with you. Um, I, I don't think it's a must-watch. I definitely don't think that... It it's it has a cute retroactive Easter egg with the with the double date episode and obviously as we talked about they these characters do show up again on the Zeta project. Uh, let's be honest here, Zeta is is probably fifth tier of importance when it comes to DCAU shows. So if you're not going for the deep dive as you said, yeah, then this is not a must watch. There are some some cool things about it. There are some cool sequences. But you can watch those on YouTube if need be, or you know, pull up the very popular DC Universe streaming app and uh, <laughs> just watch watch the scenes there. Again, not a paid advertisement, folks, but no, it could be. But it could be. But it always it could, could be. be. Always could be. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you. It's not a must-watch. It's it's you know, if you want to watch it, fine. Uh, I'm not recommending it as a skip because I don't think that it's a it's a must-skip either. It's just kind of like. Nah, eh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I definitely would not say this is an automatic skip, but it's probably not one that I will revisit in my spare time very often either. Agreed. All right, William. Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, don't forget to check us out uh, at dcaureview.com. You can check out our entire library of episodes, including all of our bonus episodes. You can break things down by favorite villain series. And, of course, you can also check out our best and worst picks, uh, which actually this episode does not fall into either of those top picks or worst episodes. But uh, you can check out those as we listen there. Don't forget, you can also follow us at DCAU Review on Twitter, at DCAU Review on Instagram. Do a lot of great stuff on both of those pages, so make sure you check those out. Liam, people are going to want to subscribe to us on their favorite podcast app because we have another new episode coming out a week from today. What are we going to be tackling on next week's episode? Yes, we'll be continuing on with our month of Batman Beyond reviews with the very next episode in sequential order, that being season two, episode 11, which is entitled Revenant. All right, and there we go. Looking forward to that one. I didn't mention at the beginning of this episode, but these are not episodes that I remember seeing a whole, whole lot. So it's been nice to review and revisit some of these that have been, it's been probably at least 15 to maybe 10, 10 to 15 years since I saw them last. So uh, it's been been a great month thus far. So I look forward to checking that one out. Yeah, definitely. Yes. <laughs> As has been mentioned in the past, I think uh, probably early on when we were doing Batman Beyond, I uh, there was a time where as a as a child I was banned from watching this show. So <laughs> um, almost none of these sort of, especially these early season two episodes, um, unless they were on reruns later on when the show was on Cartoon Network, or you know maybe I caught them once when when the DVDs first came out. But uh, yeah, a lot of these were not heavy rotation for me. And sort of as I got older, so yeah, uh, these, these Batman Beyond episodes, I think I think we get to come in them with probably as fresh eyes almost as anything that we review as far as these uh, these four main shows. Totally agree. Looking forward to that next week. All right, so that will wrap us up for this week's episode. I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>